When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply basement but this year manscape can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new beard hedger pro kit make sure you look your best this spring by using code belly 20 to get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com so tame your mane with the beard hedger pro kit the sun is peeking back out which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again so use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning whether you have glorious beard flow or some smooth sleek cheeks Save 20% off and free shipping with the code BELLY20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BELLY20 at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello again. It's Thursday night, which means it's time for another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you to all of you who have been tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you have not done so already and hit the little bell notification. If you've noticed, we've been pumping out more content because we're breaking our episodes down to smaller segments. I want everybody to digest it at their own pace. Speaking of, stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a big one in store for you guys here today. Now, I know, I know, we're only one episode away from being done with the Team Profile Series. That's going to get put on pause because some teams have actually reported for training camp already. And I want to make sure we get you guys up to speed with what you need to know at the kickoff of training camp, which is why when we introduce our guests, you'll understand what today's episode is all about. But for now, our co-host, Danielle Dubois, joining the show. Danielle, how are you? It's been a couple weeks. It has been. I'm so sorry, guys. Things have been a little bit crazy over here in Atlanta as training camp has officially started for the rookies. So, you know, we're kind of running around crazy, but I'm excited to be here. It's okay. I just need all inside scoops for Bijan Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and whether or not Desmond Ritter is going to hold on to his job. Cause I still think Taylor Heineke might wind up starting at some point this year. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll make sure you keep us up to date there, Danielle. Let's get our guest introduced. Shall we? It's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. He's on the top right corner of your screen. The number one medical expert of all fantasy sports, Mr. Brian Scott. I can get used to that. You like that? I do. Awesome. (laughs) I mean, Brian's been on the show for forever because he's with us during the season and donating his time and his expertise, which is pretty much invaluable to what we need here for fantasy football sports. And we have a lot of interesting headlines heading into training camp. So Brian, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Dan. What have you been up to anyway on the injured list podcast? Make sure you guys go check that out. Well, it's been a lot going on. Actually. I haven't been putting out as many 
episodes, but I did do a few during the offseason here from football, which is my busy time of year, as you guys know. Um, in preparation for the upcoming season, I tried to get out a lot of things, do some upgrades to the show. So check out my newest episodes. I've got a few that I dropped over the summer here. Um, you don't want to miss those. Some really interesting stories with some really interesting guests. And um, just been fine-tuning things, uh, getting ready for this NFL season. And uh, we were talking earlier, I'll be at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio in August. So if anyone listening is ten- attending, I'll be doing the medical panel um, on Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I believe. So you can get some more scoop information there. Uh, uh, morning. Brian, I'm just going to let you know right now, I'm going to need some medical attention <laughs> on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. With yeah. the amount of people, Danielle knows, every guest we've had on here is going to the expo so far. And I have a, a drinking date with every single one of them. And it's, it's going to be a lot. So I might need you to help bring me back to life at some point. <laughs> well, you, you and the guys participating in the flag football uh, contest. I told them, though, I'm not bringing my medical kit, so I will not be taking care of any injured uh, colleagues. All I'm saying is that I am not responsible for covering Des Bryant when he's out there. If he's really going to lace up, I, I'm not. Nope, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> yeah. near him. He can have yeah, it. I don't, I'm not, I don't. I don't need that moss card on my. Yeah, no, you don't want poster. that. Yeah. yeah, he will be there. By the way, if you guys are be able to get out to the expo. It's always going to be a great time. Let's get into today's show, shall we? Let's hit it with some breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, there's we, didn't get, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, so I want to bring it up now. DeAndre Hopkins, he's on his way to Tennessee. <laughs> there goes my Traylon Burke shares my Dynasty League. Thank you very, very much. Because here's a problem with Hopkins. He's going to get 25 to 27% of the team target share, and that leaves, if we're lucky, 18 to 20 for Traylon Burks on a team that's run first. On top of that, the last time we've seen this team be able to have two fantasy-relevant wide receivers was A.J. Brown Corey Davis during A.J. Brown's rookie season. And while it was nice... Corey Davis, who would likely be the Traylon Burks of this scenario, uh, was still just a wide receiver three at the end of the day. So I'm not overly excited. Danielle, what was your reaction to the news? Was it more a beat where you're just happy to see DeAndre Hopkins on a team where you like me when you get the Burks thing and it's like, ugh. It's awesome that he's finally on a team because it has been really talked about. And as a Patriots fan, I wasn't really appreciating the whole long drawn out thing. I didn't really think we were going to get him, but people were trying to convince me. So wasn't a fan of that. Um, from the fantasy aspect, I just, okay. It's not anything too huge in my eyes. I'm not looking to pick him up anytime soon, really. And if you feel otherwise, then great. I'm happy for you. But I'm just kind of me- very mediocre on this news. I'm like, good for him, but eh, not great for me. I, I did not update my rankings on BillyFantasySports.com just yet, but I did update on my wide receiver side. I can let you guys know that DeAndre Hopkins continues to be my wide receiver 18 Burks actually only brought him down one spot. Now he's behind Marquise Brown. I still have him one spot ahead of Gabe Davis. That does make him my wide receiver 35 heading into the season. So still fantasy relevant in both ends. I do have a little more confidence than most in Ryan Tannehill. And that's going to pretty much be the key as far as that goes. But the other news, and this is where I got to bring in Brian, because I'm a little concerned, let's say. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Now, we can get into probably an entire episode if we wanted to about the running backs and and not being paid and all of that fiasco going on. I tweeted out the other day, you know, what would happen if they just went on strike as a positional group? I don't think they can actually do that, but it almost feels like they need to at this point to address that situation. 
But when I look at Barkley, I look at Jacobs, two guys who have dealt with nagging injuries, in Barkley's case, missed quite a few games in the past because of injury. Last year, both these guys managed to stay healthy the entire season. A big part of that was because they knew they had a make-or-break contract year, and they were at tippy-top shape. Now this year, it's the opposite direction, where they're in contract disputes. And when you're not on the football field, you're not in football shape. Now it's early. It's July 20th. We're not quite in the training camp just yet. And with running backs, as long as they get a couple weeks in before the season begins, I'm okay with it. But Brian, from your standpoint, with these guys in particular, if they're going to be missing time in training camp, how concerned are you about them being able to stay healthy? Well... I can speak to Barkley's situation probably much better than I can to Jacobs. And that's being because I'm from New York originally. I'm a huge giant fan. And um, I was uh, ecstatic to see the production that Barkley came with uh, last season because that was the first productive season he's had since his rookie year in 2018. And his stats didn't even still measure up to his rookie season. So, you know, he had a period of about three years there where he one season had the ACL tear only played three weeks. Uh, another season dealt with a high ankle sprain on and off uh, only played like barely half the games, if, if not even. So I think from a business standpoint, the giants, especially they had to franchise tag them. They're, they're just, they had to. And um, I'm not really buying this whole, um, you know, crying for help from the running back position in the NFL when it comes to the fantasy tag and the salaries and stuff. Listen, you'll see if, Stick around and listen to our list. I mean, these running backs have been banged up and not just small injuries. I mean, these guys are missing significant amounts of time. And in a pass-first league, um, too bad. (laughs) Uh, But conditioning-wise, I don't think it's going to really affect them too much, you know, especially in Barkley's case. I mean, the guy's an animal off the field. You know, he's an animal in the gym. Um, It'll be pretty easy for them to step back on the field and get going. They're not going to play much anyway in the preseason, these guys, because they're not going to want to risk injury heading into the regular season. So I don't see it as a huge deal, at least right now. We'll kind of have to see how things kind of play out, though, as we head deeper into the uh, preseason. Sure. I mean, is, is there a potential that these guys could have to hold out into the regular season if that winds up being the case? I, I guess it's a possibility from the stances that they have as of now but those things tend to soften as we get into august we'll have to see and brian i mean you're not wrong it's it's tough it it, on one hand you have a playmaker in your backfield that is your best offensive player without a doubt on the other hand when you give these running backs this contract after they've been franchise tagged it tends not to work out or at least not for much longer after that so it's it's a hard scenario to navigate there but that would be my question for them all right, uh, well, let's get into the quarterbacks. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, that you miss, you, you miss that? You miss that drop, Brian? <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, so where do we start? Kyler Murray? Shall we start oh. with Kyler Murray? Yeah, Danielle, is that is that our list? Kyler Murray? Number yes, one? Sir. All right, yeah. let's, let's, let's hit it with Kyler Murray in the ACL. So ACL reconstruction in December. So, you know, um, typical recovery anywhere between nine to 12 months before they kind of get back into full competition. Now he had a meniscus injury on top of it. And this is one of the things I always say when it comes to these ACL injuries and these knee injuries is what other structures were damaged at the time of the injury. And in the case of the meniscus that can sometimes prolong the rehab, kind of slow it down a little bit initially, depending on what they had to do and how significant it was. And it sounds like um, he's going to be a while before he's going to be ready to play. The head coach, is it Jonathan Gannon or something? Is that the new head coach out there? Oh, yeah. Um, 
was here, quoted here as saying uh, he's still got a long way to go. So um, I'm guessing he's going to start. I'm That's guessing he's cannon, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm guessing he's going to start on the um, unable to perform list, the physically unable to perform list, probably uh, on the active roster or active um, side which would give him a chance to kind of uh, be activated during preseason. I still don't think we're going to see him do much um, in any preseason action. Uh, you know, I think he's probably going to end up starting on either IR or the pup list, um, which means that he'll have to miss the first four weeks of the season. I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, not, not, not going to be around for week one, right, Danielle? <laughs> I think he's going to be around for week one. It was a little like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the goal, right? That's always the gold, but most likely not. There's also a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, too, Kyler. If you can get there fast enough, you used to be a leprechaun anyway. <laughs> now, as I discuss things here, I'm going to be referring to IR. I'm going to be referring to the pup list. If you're not familiar with those terms, then I highly recommend you listen to one of my previous episodes I did last year where I go into a lot of detail about this. I also did an article with uh, Andrew LeDuc, um on the Belly Up website last year that talked about these different um, designations and what that actually means heading into the season. So it's really important this time of year, especially because it could be the difference between missing four weeks um, and, or starting week one or potentially being available week one. So it's a huge deal right now. It's a huge deal because sleeper had a quickly walk back of breaking news that they had on Pacheco who will get to in a little bit, but threw everybody off there for like a 24 hour period. Like, Oh, we thought Pacheco was going to be out for six weeks at the start of the season. Uh, Danielle, who's our next quarterback? We got Brock Purdy and his elbow. Oh, this is one of my favorite topics. Okay, Brian, <laughs> take it away. Yeah, so th- this is a, a, a very complex topic to discuss, actually, because, and I'm going to try and, you know, dumb it down for all of us, but um, Brock Purdy dealt with a, a an acute traumatic ulnar collateral ligament injury that he suffered during the um, NFC Championship game. And as a result, uh, he ended up needing uh, surgery in the offseason. And Unlike baseball players, where their injury is more toward the chronic side of things, they kind of chronically injure that ligament through repetitive type of throws, he had one specific moment where he injured it. In that case, the worst case scenario is that he completely ruptured that ligament and had to have it reconstructed, similar to Tommy John's surgery. But in Brock Purdy's case, he did not. He basically partially tore it, which allowed him to have basically a hybrid repair surgical procedure. Um, And that basically worked to his advantage big time because that really uh, shortened his recovery time significantly. And because he's not a baseball pitcher and he's a football quarterback, the the stress on the elbow, the throwing motion is so intricate and so slightly different when you compare those two sports that I think he's actually got a great chance to be ready week one, um, September 10th, I think, against Pittsburgh. Uh, We should he should be throwing right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, the biggest thing that he's going to have to kind of bounce back from the heart and it's going to be the most difficult is going to be that high velocity down the field throw. And once he can do that, which shouldn't be too much longer here, um, I think from there he'll pick up and momentum and, and recover just fine. His procedure was a, was a repair, but it was done using an internal brace device, which is a device that we use in certain procedures to basically bolster the repair. And that allows the rehab to actually progress much quicker. So the original time frame, I think they were saying, was like five to seven months. Um, typically with the Tommy John, it could be anywhere from nine to 12. So it, it worked to his advantage big time. I've been waiting for you, Brian, because if you remember back in March when we had you on to kind of kick things off, 
you were talking about, well, you weren't sure if it was going to be a week one at that point. I've been waiting for you to come back on the show and tell me from your mouth that Brock Purdy could actually be available week one. Now I believe. Now I believe. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was all kind of hindering on what they had to do surgically. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Danielle, what's your excitement level on this? Where did you rather see Trey Lance? Uh, I would not rather see Trey Lance. I don't really want to see Trey Lance play at all. So go Brock Purdy. I he might be just a little bit overrated based off of everybody freaking out, being like, oh my God, he's the savior for the 49ers. I don't think let's go that far, but he's definitely a step up from Trey Lance. I mean, I think most people are. That's like you tell her she's my co-host. We're on the same page. I love it. Who's next? We got Jimmy G and his foot. Cause let's continue talking about the 49ers quarterbacks and every single thing wrong with them. Well, we don't have to care about him as much anymore. Yeah, he's dealing with the Raiders yeah, now. It's but it's true, but still. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I spoke about him relentlessly last year because he was always yeah. on a topic for 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 me, especially. Um, but the funny thing was, you know, we addressed his foot injury uh last season. I'm sure we did, amongst some of his other injuries that he's dealt with over the last few years, including his surgically reconstructed shoulder, his ACL reconstructed knee, and then boom, he has a football, uh, I'm sorry, a foot injury. Um, I think it was actually sometime in December that he suffered the initial injury. And the reports were kind of wishy-washy when they first came out. They were like, oh, we think he had a Liz Frank, but now we don't. Uh, He's not going to need surgery. Um, I think we, you know, he'll be okay. And then boom, fast forward to March and the Raiders go to sign him and he had surgery. And some of the reports were that he had a broken medial and middle cuneiform bone and second metatarsal. And when I hear those words and those terms being thrown around, um, the Liz Frank lights start blaring and start warning me. And because that's essentially what a Liz Frank fracture type injury is and so what they had to do to fix it or repair it i don't know um but it must have been significant enough because the raiders put in a clause in their contract that if he can't pass a physical then they can potentially void that contract or there's some type of stipulations in there i'm not exactly sure the details but um what really depends on how quickly he's going to be back is going to be what they had to do surgically but you know that that historically speaking that type of injury and surgery is not good for an NFL career, um, especially at the quarterback position. If it's his plant foot, um, having to scramble back there, uh, and when those bones are involved, and if it was fractures that were involved, um, that could potentially be really significant for the long-term uh, health of his career. Well, Brian, I'm, I'm glad you know what those words mean, because when you said <laughs> that, I was pretty sure those words I never heard of my entire life. So yeah. thank you for breaking that down. That's why we bring you on. That's the scary part. If Jimmy G can't go, you're looking at Brian Hoyer as a starting quarterback. I mean, Danielle, where are you at when it comes to Devontae Adams? We don't really care about Jimmy G or the quarterback situation of Raiders. We care about Devontae Adams. Where are you at when it, when it comes to drafting him right now? When it comes to drafting Devontae Adams, of course, I have a lot of hope for him because he's Devontae Adams after all. Um, of course, I would, I think, lean towards Waller right now and obviously Kelsey, but I would definitely consider him still as part of the top three. I think the, inter- the top three is interchangeable. I think Adams will kind of flip-flop. Maybe if Kyle Pitts is up to that level again, he might be kind of edging him up. But as of right now, I would say he's my third tight end overall. Devontae Adams is a tight end. Wow, you downgraded him completely. <laughs> 
I've, oh my god, I just had a complete blurring part. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, guys. I am like in the wrong headspace today. Like a five second delay. I was like, wait, here, here, oh, there's, there's the light bulb. There it went off. This is what happens when you sit out in Atlanta heat all day, and then you're at a Braves game talking baseball. That my brain can't flip. But overall, though. Adams as a wide receiver still is. would draft him higher up, not top three, obviously for wide receivers, but he's definitely top 10. I don't think I'm looking towards him over like Tyreek Hill, but he's definitely in my top 10. It's preseason form. Don't worry about it, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> I, so when I started off this season, I, this off season, anyway, I had, I had a big six at the wide receiver position, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper cups, Stephon Diggs, Tyree kill. And then I had Devontae Adams right there because at that point in time, as Brian kind of pointed out, we didn't realize Jimmy G was going to be in this much danger when it comes to the beginning of the season. At that point, we're thinking he's going to be a starting quarterback. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to get at least one man the ball pretty consistently. Now I've had to kind of drop down on Devontae Adams, fade him out a little bit. I still have my top 10, but he's at my 10 exact spot. I moved him down behind Garrett Wilson, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Kind of put him right in between St. Brown and Jalen Waddle right now because we don't know exactly what the quarterback situation is going to be. Add on top of it, his comments about not being too enthusiastic about this offense now with Derek Carr having moved on to the New Orleans Saints. And now all of a sudden, I'm just I'm just getting a bad feeling every way I look on Devontae Adams. He's too good to drop out of the top 12. But right now, man, it's getting hairy when you're looking at Devontae Adams as the number one wide receiver with all the things that could potentially set up to go wrong here. Uh, what do we got? Oh, we got running backs next. It's bad. It's so bad. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> Danielle, who's our first running back to talk about? We have Jonathan Taylor and his ankle. The overwhelming question with Jonathan Taylor. Running back, right? right? Not tight end. Well, I'm, I'm actually, running back, not running tight end. Back. She got it. She got it. Oh, guys, um, it's been a long day. <laughs> I, I totally get it. Uh, this is actually one of the players I'm really excited about heading into the season. Um, and there'll be maybe one or two others, not many. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was dealing with this nagging ankle issue all last season. I think may have even had an injury to that same ankle like a year or two prior. Um, ended up putting him in an IR toward the end of the regular season last year. So he had, which was good because he ended up having surgery early on, like beginning of January, which has given him plenty of time to recover. I haven't seen exactly what, re what surgical procedure he had done, but based on his history, what I can surmise is that he had some type of arthroscopic um, procedure with possibly a ligament reconstruction, which is pretty common for the type of issue he was dealing with, was what basically repetitive ankle sprains. He probably had some developed chronic underlying ankle instability. And the good news is that procedure is like one of the few, or not few, but one of several in orthopedics that are basically, um, you've got a good chance of hitting it out of the park, so to speak. Uh, bouncing back from those procedures is very quick. Uh, the rehab is usually very aggressive. And this is another one of those procedures where I mentioned earlier when talking about Brock Purdy, where they will often use the internal brace device um, as part of that ligament reconstruction in the ankle as well. And that, again, essentially helps speed up the recovery, progress the rehab a lot quicker, but also it provides like a stop check and protection of the ligament repair that's done during the procedure. So it's a, it's a great procedure. We do it a lot. We, do, we, we are actually very quick to pull the trigger on that type of surgery. 
I'm kind of surprised he didn't have it sooner. But if that's what he had done looking forward, he should he should have a bounce back year. Love it. Love what I want to hear because I got Jonathan Taylor as my number four running back this year, banking on the idea that Anthony Richardson, if he's not the starter of week one, will be the starter for the majority of the season, playing that Shane Steichen offense, doing what he did RPO-wise with the Philadelphia Eagles. No, it's not the same offensive line, but the touchdowns, the volume, and Jonathan Taylor being a way better running back than anything was on the Philadelphia Eagles last season. I'm big on Taylor this year, making a rebound higher than most. Did Danielle... Are you with me or do you think I'm a little too high there? I'm high on him. However, I don't know if he's the first running back that I would look to choose in this year's draft. I think there's something about Bijan right now that is still like just tweaking well, me a Bichon little bit higher. I know he's a rookie, but okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I overall am very high on Taylor. I think he's going to have a great season again. It might not be that crazy high season stats that we saw beforehand but i think it's going to be pretty close to it and i would not feel bad about drafting him at all so if i'm looking for a running back and he's definitely available i'm taking him well who's our next two running backs so they can pretty much go hand in hand we got Brees hall in his acl and then javante williams in his acl lots of acl injuries yeah so they don't go hand in hand <laughs> They don't go I, hand in hand. You do that just to drive Brian crazy. I know you do, but that's okay. <laughs> Listen, so I'll, I'll do Javante first. I'll go a little bit out of order. He He's a lot different. His procedure was much earlier, so he should be ready week one. Um, I don't see him um, having to go on IR or PUP to begin the season. I think he'll be activated. Um, he was already participating in like seven-on-seven seven stuff and individual drills like seven months out. So that's great. I mean, that's very encouraging to hear. Um, he hasn't yet been cleared to participate full team drills, 11 on 11, but, um, and I think they'll probably bring him along a little slow in the preseason, but all things are pointing to him being ready. So for him, great news. Now, before I came on the show, I had to pump the brakes a little bit to everybody on Twitter world about Brees Hall. Cause he was trending because they saw today, or I think today that he was like clocked at going like 23 miles an hour during jets camp and i'm like well that's great but a he was probably running in a straight line uh b he's only about nine or ten months out from surgery i think surgery was in october or so so he may even be less and he's already been put on the pup list so it tells me that yeah he it may look good and it may sound good but they're going to give him a lot of time to, to to recover here i don't anticipate that he will get much action at all in the preseason. And I think he'll end up starting the season, possibly on the active roster, but I think we may see him get some limited action out of the gate. I don't think they're going to want him to miss all four weeks, so I don't think he's going to stay on PUP or go on IR to begin the year. Um, Now, this is all barring any major setbacks, of course, but timing here is the big difference between the two. Yeah, with Brees Hall, I got him at 12. It's hard for me to move him down any lower than that. My hope is the Jets will be smart and not try to J.K. Dobbins him. And even though he didn't have, you know, Javante Williams, the one who had the similar injury to J.K. Dobbins, not Brees Hall. But the point being rushing him out if he's not quite ready. I'm with you. He got clocked at 22 miles an hour back in uh, May, I believe it was, when they had the OTAs then, too. Yes, it's a straight line. It's an important thing to note. A running back's never getting a chance to run in a straight line. If he could, that'd be great. But Especially with the ACL, because the main goal of that ACL, the main responsibility of the ACL ligament is to help stabilize the knee, um, 
with rotational type motions, which are basically what the biggest stress when you're doing pivoting, changing direction, cutting, you know, jiving and juking on the field there. So, you know, straight line running is, is it's great to hear. Uh, sounds like he's coming along well, but uh, everybody just needs to pump the brakes a little bit. It's going to be a little bit wild before we really know where he's at. Yeah. He, on the other hand, though, if he's going to be active week one, we have seen consistently these guys in the second half of the season get back up to snuff. Yeah. And that's where Brees Hall has to be a top 12 running back, in my opinion, because he was on his way to being the number one running back overall with the performances he was putting on last season. And he wasn't even getting an elite bell cow level share of the workload at that point. And he was putting up those kind of performances. So he has to stay a top 12 for me. The guy that's more tricky to rank right now for myself is Javante Williams, because I got him an RB 27 because I have no idea if he's ever going to be ready this season. Will the Broncos be smart with him? Unlike Baltimore was with JK Dobbins. If they are, I do think he can still make a second half surgeons as well. But the problem is we saw it with Dobbins. He tries to come out there too early, gets banged up. Now all of a sudden we're left holding the table. We, never really get the value that we're looking for out of the first place so for me right now i'm just not comfortable with drafting him anything more than rb3 danielle you're willing to roll the dice here based on brian what, what brian's saying no i am not um i have also i don't know why i've just never been on the williams train i always have always thought like eh, he's okay and i've never been a firm believer in him as a running back so add in this whole injury now add in a little bit more complications and I am just not on board the train. Maybe if he's still available and I really desperately need a third running back, then sure I'll grab him, but I'm not really looking to have him on my roster at all. And that's just probably because I'm a Williams hater, not to be mean, but I'm just not on the same train as Williams. So no. I mean, you can make the argument that even when he was healthy, he was still having to share the workload with Melvin Corey. And that's a fair argument. I would yeah. point out that he's been crazy efficient with the touches he gets, but that maybe that doesn't go away because Sean Payton doesn't feature just one guy. And he never had a 250 yard carry rusher ever, uh, even though as great as Alvin Kamara was. And I think that's what you're hoping for at Javante. If he's in fact healthy, who's our next running back. We have Tony Pollard and his ankle. We got Brian. Cool. Yeah, so he's another guy that I'm actually kind of high on um, heading into this year. Um, he had a fibula fracture, um, and it looked nasty, and that was all the big talk about how nasty and hideous it looked on the field. But to be honest, uh, if you're going to fracture your ankle, um, having an isolated fibula fracture is not a bad way to go. Brian's like, and... go for it all. If you're going to do it, <laughs> bring it right off. Yep, yep. Might <laughs> as well. Now, the, the only caveat to that is that it sounds like he did um, also have what they call a high ankle sprain with it, which essentially means he tore some additional ligaments in the ankle while he fractured that uh, fibula bone. But again, this is one of those things where surgically speaking, this is a really tried and true procedure that we normally do for this. You know, you fix the fibula fracture. And then a lot of times we use a device called a tightrope, which is you guys may be familiar with from hearing about all the two his injuries back in college when he had tightrope procedures done on his ankles. Well, it's likely that Tony Pollard had the same thing. Um, and this is, again, a device that just helps stabilize an ankle, but it allows for a much quicker turnaround uh, rehab and recovery. So um, I don't think this is going to slow him down much. Um, assuming that he didn't have any major setbacks during his rehab, didn't have any other major structural injury to the ankle joint at the time of that fracture, then we should see him ready to go week one. We should see him pick up pretty much where he left off, if, if not feeling even maybe a little better, given the extra time of rest uh, on his overall uh, health. 
Yeah, he, he's an interesting one. Daniel, I'm going to ask you from this standpoint, Cowboys came out, they said they're not bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. So does that solidify Tony Pollard as an RB1 in your eyes? In my eyes, I see him becoming the RB1, and I think it should be a really good year for him if he is able to recover fully from the injury. Obviously, with what Brian just said, it is a little bit more complicated with the ankle sprain and the break as well. So definitely hoping for a fast and easy recovery for him there because I think he should be the RB1 for the Cowboys, and I think that it would be great for fantasy. And I've always been kind of back and forth on whether to take him or not. And I personally am very high on him this year, especially with that Ezekiel Elliott spot opening up. Yeah. I think that for me, that just confirms that they're probably thinking along the same lines as I am. They, I mean, obviously they know more, but the fact that they were willing to let Ezekiel walk and roll Pollard in the number one spot probably tells, tells me that he's good to go. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Hey, what about uh, the next guy, Isaiah Pacheco, with all the fiasco going on around him lately? <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, that was insane. And I'm pretty sure I heard the same same stuff that you heard, that originally he was going on the pup list, and then all of a sudden, boom, he suited up and practiced. And with no restrictions or limitations, which which is great. And, you know, from what I've read, he had shoulder and hand surgery in the offseason. Shoulder surgery was for labrum tear, supposedly. And the hand, it sounds like it was actually a wrist injury where he may have had what's called a scaphoid fracture, which had to be fixed. And to be honest, in as a running back, those two conditions and those two surgical procedures and rehabs are not all that terrible. Um, upper body stuff, usually pretty solid recovery and rehab programs for those. Not, you know, if he's not a throwing athlete, this is not a throwing shoulder. It's not quite the same. Um, being a running back, the recovery from this is pretty quick. The only thing it really might have done was kept him out of the gym and the ability to kind of work out his upper body for a long period of time. But it didn't affect his legs. He was able to condition. Um, so it, it shouldn't really be a huge deal. Okay, good. That's what I wanted to hear because it's already pain enough trying to figure out the Chiefs running back situation with the committee all spread out the way that it is. I mean, I am not discounting the fact that CH is still on the roster like everybody else is. We're like, oh, it's just Pacheco and Jeremy Kent. I'm like, mm, CH is still there. Like, yes, he was losing snaps when he was still healthy last season. Yes, I expect Pacheco to be the number one carrier and McKinnon being the number one pass catcher. But in that backfield, Clowers Lair can still take a little bit from both and just kind of limit that opportunity. So I didn't want to have to add on top. They're like, oh, now I got to worry about Pacheco even playing. So I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Danielle, I have Pacheco as an RB3. Where are you at on him? I am agreeing with you completely. I think that that's a very, very fair place to put him. And I think if he ends up blowing our minds and becoming an RB2, that's awesome. But I think an RB3 is more like where he is standing right now based off of other running backs in the league and based off of what we've seen from him and his own talents. So I think that's a very fair placement. But you never know. Maybe he's going to surprise us and sneak on up to an RB2 spot. Well, and that's why I have him one spot ahead of David Montgomery right now, because my one caveat is he still has that upside if CH is not a thing, if they are done with him, because he is so bad in the red zone. And Pacheco does wind up just walking in for 10 touchdowns because he gets those goal line carries. I have that kind of built in, so I don't want to put him too low. I have him one spot ahead of David Montgomery because he does just have that little more upside in case things go. But don't forget, CH is still on the roster. Who's our next guy? We have Najee Harris and his Liz Frank, right? 
-hmm. injury. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. there we go. Want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. Yeah, you got it. Um, and uh, this injury dates back to last year. Um, in right before training camp, uh, he actually injured it, sat out quite a quite a while, heading into the regular season uh, to recover from this. Did not require surgery. They called it at the time a sprain, which is a lot different than the fracture, which is what I kind of briefly talked about with um, Garoppolo. So. He, you know, did he, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not come back and rush for like over a thousand yards last year, even with did. missing some time? Um, yeah, over a thousand yards. Yeah. So like that tells me that this probably wasn't that bad and they were probably just being a little extra cautious. Um, but anytime you see that that Liz Frank ligament has been injured, um, it's, it's reasonable and, and probably a smart idea that they sat him out as long as they did initially, because that is probably what, I mean, I know that that's what allowed him to come back and be so productive. He, he re-aggravated it at one point during the season, but it didn't seem like it was anything serious. Uh, I don't see this as being a huge issue heading into this year. I don't either. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up because I wanted to bring up the fact that everyone's hating on Najee this year. Uh, right now, his ADP and FFPC is down towards the top 20, RB18, RB19. I got him all the way up at RB13. And with Brees Hall, I'm flirting with the whole idea of do I put him inside the top 12 or not. The big thing you got to take away is that, yes, he had a 3.9 yards per carry. And I wanted to bring that injury up for that reason. You had a terrible offensive line. You had a bum foot. And yet you still were fantasy productive. No, I am not worried about Jalen Warren coming in and taking a significant enough volume away. Mike Tomlin rides his guy. So I wanted Brian here to reaffirm to all of you yeah. that he is, in fact, 100% healthy and a better offensive line this season. Who's our last but not least running back, Danielle? Andre Miller and his knee injury. And this is a recent one that I was not yeah. expecting. Now, this... Correct me if I'm wrong here, too. This happened during the national championship game when he was with TCU, correct? That was the report. Yeah, we didn't yeah. know anything about it. And uh, I've seen the clips. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, on one particular play, he kind of got rolled up on his knee when he was being tackled. Uh, some reports said it was an MCL injury, but then other reports said it was a meniscus injury. Um, and I believe he actually had surgery where they had to repair the ligament, and they likely had to do something with that meniscus as well. And that kind of makes the rehab a little bit longer. Um, I'm guessing anywhere between at least four to six months, maybe even longer. Um, he's been put on the NFI, which is the non-football injury list, which, and the reason for that is because he's coming out of college. So they don't technically consider the collegiate injuries and surgeries that occurred to be part of the NFL. So it's a non-football. It was before he was drafted. It's a non-football injury. But essentially, it's like being on the pup list, if you want to compare it to that. So um, he's, you know, going to be rehabbing, maybe doing some stuff on the side. But until he comes off that, uh, we won't see him doing any team drills and stuff. Now, there's been some videos that surfaced in March of him doing like squats with like 300 pounds on the bar. Whether or not that's actually an accurate thing and that was actually filmed in March is, is a whole nother issue. But um, it sounds to me like he's going to be on schedule. So I would expect at some point during training camp, they'll put him on the active roster and he'll be able to participate in team drills. We'll have to see. 
And, and for those of you, maybe you don't, you're not a nerd like me and you don't follow fantasy football throughout the off season. And you're just now getting back in the swing of things. because training camps coming up. Kendry Miller. The reason why that name is a big deal is because we don't know exactly what the availability of Alvin Kamara is going to be due to a maybe suspension. I don't even know what to think in that situation anymore. We haven't even heard like usually with players, we have some sort of inkling is the NFL even considering some sort of suspension. We got nothing coming out of the NFL when it comes to Alvin Kamara. I have no idea what's happening. I just took him in a, a, a mere league, Scott Fishbowl league in the eighth round. Cause I was like, well, now we're running into territory where maybe he doesn't even get suspended or if he does, it's only two games. It's not even six. So now I'm taking the value on him. Keep your eye on that. But if he were to get suspended, Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams would presumably be a committee. So that's why it was kind of important there. And of course he was a high dynasty pick in rookie leagues as well. Let's get to some wide receivers. Some. Oh, you. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Gotta love 40 year old version. <laughs> you know what? This is how this movie, I didn't realize how old the movie was. I'm going to ask Danielle this. Have you seen 40 year old virgin? I have. Oh, thank Oof. God. I was I was holding my breath there. I was Me like, too. oh, if she hasn't seen it, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna just I'm gonna click That's off on stream. Fired right on live, <laughs> live podcast. Uh, I feel better too. I feel better too. Well, and the reason I ask, Danielle, you're actually about the same age as my sister, and she, when I said four year old virgin, she looked at me. She was like, I think I've seen clips of it, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm gonna kill you. I swear. Oh man. Anyway, wide receivers. What we what we got up first, Danielle. We have Chris Olave and his Achilles injury. Yeah, not not too worried. Not too worried at all. Um, sounds like he probably just has some inflammation or irritation back there in the Achilles tendon. Um, kind of became an issue during minicamp, I think OTAs. But um, my get, they'll they'll take it slow. They'll they're not going to uh, risk anything because these are the type of injuries that if you try to play through it, that's when bad things happen. So they'll get him rested up. They'll take it easy with them, progressively slow through training camp. But uh, he'll be ready to go. I don't, I don't see this as being a big deal. Thank God, because whenever you hear wide receiver and Achilles, you start to get a little, <laughs> a little scared, a little bit, especially when you talk about a guy who I personally have ranked as wide receiver 14 right yeah. now, a high valuable commodity. Uh, let, let's just stay with the Saints. Michael Thomas and his toe. What do you got? You, you should have this one on like speed dial. Oh, God. I mean, like, we talked about it all freaking last year and the year before probably if i'm not mistaken i mean i've been talking about this at length listen he had season ending surgery back in november was on ir and lost for the year he played three games last year um before he had to sit and even then he wasn't really productive um and i speculated last year that he has some type of turf toe injury now i don't even know if we still know exactly what it was my guess is that it was turf toe um now, he was interviewed back in June um, at the Saints facility, and he was like, I'll be ready to go. I'm going to be ready. But I got to tell you, man, as a receiver dealing with this injury and surgery, uh, it's not a home run. This is one of the procedures, and this is one of the injuries that are you don't hit home runs when you have this stuff going on. So this is going to be something to have a really keep a close eye on in training camp to see how he progresses and how, how good he looks heading into the regular season. I'm hoping they give him some time in the preseason games to really kind of ramp it up and see what, what he's got, uh, because that's going to be the thing that really tells, tells the story. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that can end careers. I mean, Deion Sanders, all the stuff he has going on with his foot, which has been in the news lately, all stems back to when he had turf toe injuries when he played on uh, in the NFL as a cornerback. So you can imagine as a cornerback and receiver, 
the, the constant having to pivot, run routes, change direction, explode off that foot. Uh, this causes a major issue for those guys. So this is going to be tough to battle back from. Yeah, that, that's not what you, that's not really what you want to hear. No, Michael Thomas, it, it's been a while since he's been fantasy relevant. So you're not really breaking the bank here with where you're drafting many. Anyway. Right now, FFPC is going about the ninth round. But the reason he's really interesting is because even in those three games back, he had 172 yards, three touchdowns, 22 targets. He was utilized. Now, even if he's out there on the field, it's still Chris Olave's number one receiver on that team. But Thomas does have still look like he still has some value, especially when he came into the red zone situation where he could maybe he's an Adam Thielen type at this point in his career when he comes back. And that's what kind of makes it a little more interesting where he should still be on your radar if he's coming for the right price. But he's also that type of guy where if he sneezes the wrong way, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> see you. Yeah. Know, see you Listen, later. I think he's going to lose this. I think he's going to lose a little bit of a step here. Maybe two. Um, you know, he's been in the league a long time. He's not, you know, this is where are we maybe double digits or getting close to double digit years. He's been there for but a he's long had time. so much rest, Brian. I nah. the only reason I even brought that up is because I had this argument the other day with somebody who was talking about Calvin Ridley. And if you guys have listened to the show, you know, I'm not as big on Calvin Ridley as most people are out there. And, all, and pointing out the fact that he's been out for two years, we're like, well, that's just time he's had off from being contacted. I'm like, Okay, whatever. You're going to take it that way? Fine, whatever. That, that argument doesn't fly with me when it comes to the NFL. It's a different, <laughs> it's a different animal. It shouldn't so. if you have any common sense, but this person yeah. <laughs> uh, did not. Who's next on our list there, Danielle? We have Michael Pittman and his hip injury. Yeah, I'm not really sure what this is all about. Um, initially, they said that back in June that he might have had an injury during OTAs, and then they shut him down but they didn't really give a good indication as to what exactly it was. Um, maybe it was just a little hip pointer, which is essentially like a, a strain to the hip flexor muscle. So who knows? Um, yeah, I will say last, last time I checked, he's, he's not going to be on like a PUP list or yeah. anything to open I mean, up. I don't think it's serious, but at the same time, they're not really being very uh, open about it. And listen, hey, they don't have to be. Uh, in the offseason, nobody has to list injury reports and stuff uh, during OTAs or mini camps or anything like that. So... They're not going to really divulge what's going on if it's not a major issue. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think they're just resting him up, getting ready for the season. Let's assume it's not a big deal. Danielle, we're looking at Michael Pittman, and we have all the volatility at the quarterback position heading into the season. This is a guy who's consistently been a high-target producer. What's your take on him? Because right now, I mean, he is all over the place. There's there some leagues where he's wide receiver 34. There's other leagues where he's still in the top 24 of wide receivers. Where on that spectrum do you fall? I'm a very kind of in right towards the middle with him. I don't have too high of opinions on him, but I also don't think he's the worst wide receiver out there by any means. I mean, he got just underneath a thousand yards last year four touchdowns. He was averaging about nine yards of carry. So I'm very, just like, okay with him. You know, if he ends up falling towards my time to pick in my drafts and I need another wide receiver, I'll pick him up and I'll feel pretty confident in it. And I won't feel like, Oh man, that was an awful pick, man. I should have chosen this other wide receiver instead. I feel very, very average about him. Like not, not too excited, but also like, okay, he can get the job done and be somewhat useful on my fantasy team. So that's exactly where I am with him. Yeah, I guess we're of a similar mindset. I got Michael Pittman sitting right now at wide receiver 28. I got him squashed right in between uh, with Christian Watson and Jerry Judy right now in my rankings. And 
the, the way I'm looking at it is this. It's not a situation in which he has a, 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 a the ability to get a ceiling where he's back to being a wide receiver 15 like he was a couple of seasons ago. It, it's not that situation. But if Anthony Richardson's going to play a lot, and I do think he's going to, as bad as he is as a passer, the one thing that can help you out is throwing to a big-bodied wide receiver. The one thing helping you out could be throwing to the safety blanket. And that person is going to have to be Michael Pittman. I don't. Josh Jones, he's the guy who suffers because you have to anticipate when he's going to get open and get the separation and be accurate with your football. Uh, Alex, Alex Pierce, I do think he'll have some big plays, but he's not going to be a high target earner in that offense. So from that standpoint, I think Pittman has a very safe floor, but it doesn't have much of a ceiling. So you have to draft him at the said floor, which right now, I got kind of pinpointed as a mid-level wide receiver three. Who is our next guy? We have Rashad Bateman in his foot. Ah, another Liz Frank, believe it or not. So No. Yeah. And we (laughs) talked about him a lot last year, too. Uh, He ended up having to have a season-ending surgery for this. He had a ligament injury, not a fracture, like what we suspect Garoppolo had. Um, This was purely a ligament injury. Now, the problem with these is sometimes they still require surgery and it means uh, some time missed. Usually though, the surgery is pretty quick and simple. You just basically put a screw where that ligament basically runs and that screw basically compresses the joint, helps the ligament heal. And then you're done. You're good to go. Get back out there, start running around. Usually not a major long-term issue like you would have with the fractures where it can lead to advanced arthritis very quickly. So much better uh, if you're going to choose to have a Liz Frank, Go with the ligamentous, Liz Frank. Don't go with the fracture (laughs) type. Um, Issue with him is he had some continued pain even after the procedure, which kind of set him back a little bit during his recovery and ended up having to have that screw uh, removed. So he had two procedures. And it sounds like even then, he's still been having some discomfort there uh, because I think he recently, and maybe it was just like a week or two ago, had like a cortisone injection um, in and around that area uh, or some area of his foot. So now that kind of raises the question, well, did this thing heal properly? Is there something else going on? Uh, hard to kind of predict uh, with that with the information that's out there. But um, I would definitely tread a little cautiously um, heading into training camp here, assuming he's going to be ready for week one. But um, he might see some limited time. He might actually be sat for a little bit. I don't know uh, right now, but something to certainly keep an eye on. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> I wish you did, Ryan. Yeah, I wish. I, I wish I did too. I don't like having to report bad news, but uh, well, especially with Rashad Bateman, it's so frustrating. I mean, I comp this guy to DeAndre Hopkins, and he's never going to get on the field to prove me right. It's driving me nuts. And they, they even brought in OBJ, so you have those two guys. And an early report, and it was only the first day of training camp. It is the time to be optimistic, but. Big time Zay Flowers today. Everyone's saying, oh, Zay Flowers looks like the best wide receiver. Keep that in mind. That's real because of what Brian is saying because of OBJ's history, and we don't even know what he is physically right now. That is something I am paying attention to. Zay Flowers back in a draft. You're still drafting best ball. Make sure you get some shares because he could wind up being the number one wide receiver, the Baltimore Ravens, if nothing else, just by default. Who's next there, Danielle? We have Juju Smith-Schuster and his knee, apparently. Yeah, I'm not too worried about this. It, it, from what I've read, I've seen multiple reports that said this stems from a chronic kind of nagging thing that he was dealing with even last year um, into the run into the Super Bowl, but he was able to play through it. So I don't think it's anything significant. Um, 
they'll probably just take him slow. He'll probably want, he'll probably see some limited action during preseason and training camp um, just to kind of get him ready for the regular season. But I don't think this is a big deal. Well, I think it's just uh, Juju is perpetually listed with the knee issue. <laughs> I think that's probably, probably. what it is. Uh, yeah, it's probably more an overuse thing. Um, these guys get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that they got to treat, but it's not like debilitating or serious enough that he needs to sit for extended periods of time. And I'm sure a lot of guys deal with that and play through it. And, you know, he probably will too. But yeah. And this is Danielle's favorite wide receiver, right, Daniel? Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> I love him so much. Really excited to have him part of the New England team. Let's see. Jacoby Myers for half a million dollars less or Juju Miss Schuster. Which one would you have rather had? Right. Uh, yeah, I think you can kind of feel out the room based off of that one. <laughs> oh, got to love those New England Patriots. All right. What we got next? Hmm. We have Sterling Shepard, ACL, another ACL injury. All right, well, I'm a giant guy, like I told you earlier. I'm going to lump him together with Wandale because he's next yeah. on our list. Um, two key things here when you're looking at both guys. Number one, Sterling Shepard. He's got an injury history. Missed a lot of time the year before because of an Achilles injury. Um, then tore his ACL week three this year, this past season, I should say. Uh, that being said, um, he's supposedly on schedule with his rehab, but I don't anticipate that we'll see him doing much to start with. I think he's going to come in on the pup. Um, if they haven't said that yet already, I, that's what I'm anticipating. Um, I suspect that they'll probably keep him on the shelf until they get closer to that 12-month mark. Um, I, I honestly feel that way, just given his history and everything. And what the, what the Giants have done with that receiver core, picking up a couple of extra guys this year, tells me that they're not looking for either him or Wandale to contribute much. But when looking at the both of them together, I have to give the edge to Wandale. Um, despite the fact that he tore his ACL three weeks later, um, he's been quoted as saying that his ACL injury was was clean. He had no other structural damage in there, um, and he should be good to go week one. I don't think he will either, but I think that he's got a better chance of getting off the pup closer to week one than Sterling Shepard does. So uh, keep that information and take it, do what you want with it, but uh, I don't see these guys contributing much heading into the season at the beginning, at least. Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt. How many slot receivers can you possibly have? Paris Campbell. And that's the part that we have to talk about because that is going to be the most valuable wide receiver of the Giants. You want to have an idea of where I have giant receivers ranked right now? Paris Campbell is who I have ranked the highest. You want to know where I have him ranked right now? 65, yeah, which doesn't even right. qualify as like a fantasy pros receiver that they grade you on as far <laughs> as your calculations go in the expert, <laughs> expert accuracy. I, I, I couldn't even argue that with you, Dan, as a giant <laughs> fan. I couldn't even find any reason to justify any of those guys being any higher. So uh, I, I hear you. It's an absolute mess. It should be Darius Slayton. They seem to hate Darius Slayton for whatever reason. Keep he had a case of the drops Campbell. last year. He had a bad case of the drops last year. But he's the only one who actually gets open. He's the only one True. who can do anything on the perimeter. Now, I like Jalen Hyde a, a lot. I don't think the Daniel Jones fit is very good, and I don't know exactly what he's going to be as a rookie, being that he's more of a developmental project for down the road. So we'll see what he becomes. Right now, I think they're pinning their hopes on Paris Campbell being the starting wide receiver. So just kind of keep your eye on that. All right, so we got that out of the way. Let's wrap it up with our last receiver, which is who? John Met Mechie? Is that Mechie. right? Yep, correct. Danielle doesn't even know who he is because he didn't play all last year. That's right. <laughs> I know but, I feel bad. But for good reason. I don't know this, this name. For good reason. He was 
so you guys had him listed with a hamstring. Um, that's recent, yeah. Yeah, that's recent. I don't see that being a big deal. Hamstrings, you got to treat conservatively. Although, otherwise, that can be an issue, which we've seen a lot of uh, throughout the season, and that you don't want that. But the big news with him is that he was diagnosed with leukemia, a form of leukemia um, that was treatable, thank God, and basically had to take the year off to get treatment, get himself right uh, and recovered. And it sounds like all that stuff went really well. And um, he's been given a clean bill of health and he should be ready to go week one. So welcome to the NFL. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see this. Another situation kind of similar to the giants where we're waiting to see who that number one receiver winds up being on the team. And whoever that's going to be may have some fantasy value. When you go to pick up on your waiver wire, Nico Collins is the one leading the way as far as ADP goes. Another guy that's in the fifties and sixties that you're barely even drafting, but you're waiting to see who that number one guy is going to be. I don't buy into Nico Collins. I think he is what he is. We've seen a couple of years of him. Had a little flash, a couple of games here and there, but he just doesn't bring much to the table. I wasn't being on John Mechie before all the cancer, before the hamstring, when he got drafted. Because this is a guy, remember, he had a 4-6-40. I thought he was overdrafted in the second round to begin with. He doesn't bring a lot to the table as far as explosiveness already. And then we saw with James Conner, it took him a couple of years before he could really be back up to snuff after he recovered from cancer. We don't know what exactly is going to happen there. Keep your eye on Tank Dell. CJ Stroud wanted Tank Dell. They drafted him in the third round. They're going to have to play a lot of 11 personnel in the second half of games to come back. He's the guy who's going to get the man in the slot. He's the guy who has the quick twitch and separation. Keep your eye on him. Nico Collins, John Mechie, they'll play more, but I don't know if they'll be quite as effective. Let's move to the tight ends. Oh! 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 oh. That sums up my feelings about Kyle Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the first guy on the list. So, um, yeah, uh, missed the second half of last season uh, with an MCL injury that ended up uh, requiring surgery. But uh, as far as I've read in all of the reports, he's doing well. He's on schedule. He should be ready week one. That being said, I think they'll take him along slow. I don't think we'll see him get much action in preseason. Um, he's... Injuries are not like ACL injuries. They tend to do well. Um, surgery for them is usually not terribly uh, challenging or require extensive type of rehabs and stuff. So I, I think we should see him just as healthy as he was before this injury. Danielle, what have you been seeing there? It looks like he is returning back to full health. He's been posting a lot of workout videos lately and has been on his grind. You can tell that he's getting ready for football season. All over social media has just been all about him running up and down the field, doing all his workouts. So it looks like he should be ready, but it will be very interesting with all the weapons that Atlanta has on their offense, how much they will use him at the beginning of the season, like Brian said, because I think it will definitely ease them, ease him into the season, but it shall be interesting. Well, so in, in your opinion, and real quick, just back to Danielle, because she's already inside in Atlanta right now. Do you think Ritter is already far ahead with Drake London on the chemistry train, or, or do you think they, something will get worked out there? I think something will get worked out, but it is very clear that Ritter and London do have a connection. They're seen very often times at OTAs most and many camps that I saw. They were both practicing kind of on their own there for a little bit. Drake has his own special place to work out because he's obviously the 
best wide receiver there. He's a little bit special, um, but they have a great bond already. You can tell based off the way they act with each other and everything. So it will be really interesting to see if Pitts can kind of sneak his way into that trio. And, and that's why Kyle Pitts is, is still my tight end seven. I still got to see Ritter even be a good quarterback, but even when he's not, he had experience already with Drake London at the end of last year and Pitts was not on the field. So that's kind of my concern when it comes to Kyle Pitts. I'm not putting this as the year he finally breaks into the top five, unfortunately, until they get an upgrade at the quarterback position right now. So I do have him at seven. Who's next on our list, Danielle? We have Pat Fryermuth with a knee injury. Yeah, and maybe you guys can fill in any blanks here because what I read was that he had an ACL and an MCL sprain that did not require surgery at the end of the season last year and apparently was practicing in OTAs and looked like he was doing pretty well with no signs of any lingering issues. Um, so he shouldn't be any worse for wear this year. Um, but uh, if the tight end position has taught me anything uh, over the last couple of years, those guys get banged up and they get banged up a lot. <laughs> So. Well, yeah, I mean, you're basically linemen who also play wide receiver. So, yes, yeah, they, get banged, they get banged up quite a bit. Yeah, I, I added him to the list because he was still listed heading into training camp with that knee issue. And he hears sprain, and I just wanted to kind of get your extra opinion on it. If you have a sprain, how concerned level are you on that? So I'm glad you brought that up because actually hearing ACL sprain certainly sends off some warning signs uh, to me. Um, but, you know, especially if I hear that in the general population or amateur athletes, but being that he's an NFL tight end, there's no reason to think that they didn't do their due diligence and get the necessary studies to really check in on that. So, I mean, it's possibly a sprain um, sprain, you know, by definition is a tear. It's just a matter of degree of tearing. Um, obviously if it was a rupture, like we see with the other guys we talked about, then surgery would have been required. There's just no way around that, but it must've been pretty mild because you, you, even though the the ACL can be sprained and partially torn, um, the question that you have to look at is, is it functional and stable? And that's really key. And so if he didn't have surgery and they're calling it a sprain, that tells me it was probably very mild. It didn't cause any instability or any functional mechanical issues, um, which is pretty rare. He got lucky, essentially, is what that means. He got very lucky. Oh, I'm glad to hear it because Firemuth right now, my tight end eight, and he is my cutoff point. I talk about this all the time. And with it comes to the tight ends, find what your cutoff point is for the last tight end you can take while still being in a tier where you're competitive with the other top tight end players in your league. He's my cutoff point. I have him right there at eight. Danielle, do you agree with that? Yes, I do. I think Pat, I honestly, I towards the end of last season, I was kind of thinking that he was like, top six, top five, kind of interchangeably. So it will be really interesting to see if he will reach that level again this season because I think he he does have a lot of potential and there's definitely a cutoff point. And yeah, I agree with you there. Once it's Pat Frymuth and kind of the rest from there. Yeah, there's a big tear drop off after that. Uh, let's, who, who we got next? We have Zach Ertz who also has a knee injury. And Brian, if you got any information on Zach Ertz, we're going to call you Tom Cruise because it was like Mission Impossible trying to find information <laughs> on Zach Ertz and what was going on exactly. Well, what I what I found was that he uh, tore his ACL week 10 and uh, ended up having surgery in November. Um, now, that was a few weeks earlier than Murray, um, but uh, I still think he's going to be probably on the pup list heading into the training camp and probably um, might even end up on IR heading into the beginning of the season. I just don't see him bouncing back too quick from this. 
Um, he's been in the league a long time. Uh, not a, you know, not a young player uh, by all means. When you look at the NFL and his position, um, don't know if he had any other structural injuries in there or if they had to do anything else to repair or fix that. But um, I think they're going to kind of probably be a little bit toward more toward that ten to twelve month mark with him. Uh, I just don't see him coming back so quick. Okay, I tend to agree. And I, you, you have Trey McBride. Why bother? You're you're literally in a situation where you could take and have an entire new regime next season. Why bother with Zach Ertz? Why bother with Kyler Murray? And with Trey McBride, you spent top draft capital for a tight end to bring him in. And I liked what we saw last year. Let him play. Let him play. Last but not least is Luke Schoenmacher in a foot injury. And this is significant because we got to figure out who the Dallas starting tight end is going to be. Oh, it's, I mean, if he's slated to be their t- starting tight end, I would still expect him to be. Apparently, he's only dealing with some plantar fasciitis, which is not a big deal. Chronic thing can flare up from time to time. It's basically um, some soft tissue issues in your arch and heel of the foot. Um, a lot of people get this. It's not kind of one of those things that only injured athletes get. It's general population. I see people with this all the time. Um, the earlier you treat it, the quicker you get it under day. Uh, the better off you'll be and the quicker you'll get better. Um, But these are the type of things that can linger into the season, but I don't see it really causing any major issues. Um, He might be slowed up and do some limited stuff during practices, training camps and things like that. But I don't, I don't see this being a major issue, keeping him out of game action. Well, I'm glad you said that because when my wife had plantar fasciitis, I was pretty much <laughs> waiting on her hand and foot. Maybe that was just her excuse <laughs> to make me do everything for her. I, I don't know. But uh, I'm glad to hear that it's not a big deal, actually, in your eyes. No, and don't forget, these guys, I mean, these guys have access to all kinds of treatments, uh, medical facilities, all kinds of top, you know, top technology to treat this kind of soft tissue stuff. So they've got a lot of access to things to treat this that the general population does not. And for that reason, these guys typically aren't hampered by it as, 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 as significantly as the general pop. So I don't think this is going to be a huge thing. Yeah, and, and look, fantasy-wise, you're not drafting Luke. You're not drafting Ferguson. We'll see exactly who winds up being the starting tight end. But the reason it's significant is because Dak's always had a productive tight end. And even after Jason Witten, we didn't know who Dalton Schultz was until he appeared on the scene. And I know Luke Schumacher coming in, a lot of people felt like he was overdrafted, didn't like his profile. I actually did early on. While he doesn't have a lot of wiggle to his game, this is a guy who can block and he's actually pretty fast and pretty big, which should be working well inside the red zone. This is somebody I'm going to have my eye on, especially in best ball leagues when we just get a couple of touchdown games in there. That does it for the show. That was a, Look at that. An hour long. We got the injuries done. We're ready for redraft. We talked a little Hopkins, talked a little Barkley, talked a little Jacobs and everything else. Brian, thanks for coming on, man. This is awesome. My pleasure. Great way to kick off the uh, season here. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Absolutely. What, what, what do you got going on? We, we want people to check out. Whew, uh, got a lot going on, actually. Got a bunch of guests I got lined up, uh, do, and I'm doing a bunch of guest spots on some other podcasts as well. So uh, take a look at uh, my social media stuff, my website, InjuredList.com, uh, Twitter, at InjuredListPod. Um, those are the kind of the primary ones. And then um, be working with Fantasy Sports Core as we head down to the, or uh, I should say to the um, Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. Well, I'll be part of the medical panel uh, in August, so I'll be doing that. Um, helping out, you know, here and there with a bunch of shows, doing weekly updates, uh, last-minute updates, all kinds of stuff. So tune into the social media stuff. I'll try to post on there as much as I can. I'll be doing the um, 
Inside the Medical Tent blog with Andrew LaDuck again this year, which was a big hit last year. So that's going to be on my website, and you should be able to uh, read that there. So a lot going on this season, trying to really ramp it up myself and uh, the podcast in particular. So trying to line up some big guests too this year. So stay tuned. Yeah, and uh, we'll be we'll be at we'll be having Brian back on during the regular season as well on this show. Danielle, what the guy what the guy covering down in Atlanta? Oh, covering a little bit of everything. Obviously, training camps are up and going, so I'll be at training camps every single day next week and for the next little while here. So you can follow me on Twitter at Danielle Dubois, just like you see on your screen, and you can find out all the Atlanta Falcons, all the updates that we have from training camps. Get the inside scoop. That's going to be a team that we all are interested in seeing. We're actually going to be not on next Thursday. The next time this show comes on is going to be July 30th. It's a Sunday, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be like in season. We'll be wrapping up and putting a bow on the AFC West, the team profile series. We got Bob Harris coming on. That's right. Mr. Hall of Fame himself, Bob Harris, coming on. Excited to get him on the show. And uh, one of the reasons why we're not going to be on until then is because uh, I'm actually going on a little bit of a podcast tour. I'll be on TSS Fantasy tomorrow night. Make sure you check that out. We'll be talking a little San Francisco 49ers. And uh, next Saturday, I'll be on a, a football history uh, show. I'm not exactly sure I'm getting myself into yet, but they asked me to come on and I'll be on next Saturday morning. So we'll see exactly what goes on there. Make sure to check us out. Make sure you follow us on social media at Billy at BMDFF show and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Download us on your favorite podcast app. When August comes up, we're going to be going to two a week. So everybody stay tuned for that nonstop action with the MD's fantasy football show. Take care. We'll see you next week. 